I'll tell you what, you wouldn't be teaching my kid a, a damn thing really? about dancing. Wow. You're a better dancer than me? What, are, are you seriously going to sit you know here no, on no, no, December no, no. 7th, no. 2023, and tell the world you're a better dancer than me? I would never say that. Okay, just make it short. I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm going to tread lightly on this subject actually cuz I already know there's something in your back pocket that you got and the internet has that Oh yeah, yeah, you know. that just showcases or fails to showcase I would say my uh my athletic ability. Now, okay. dancing dancing I, I, they compared me on my uh college scouting prospect write-up. Mhm. I was described as a dancing bear. Oh, nice. By a couple of Division two. So you were big country here. Baloo. Uh, I, I wouldn't say big. Oh, I. <laughs> I'm somebody that's just, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll peel the curtain back. I'm one of those fat people that are still getting used to being fat. Because uh. it hadn't been that long. I, I tell you, I, I, I show people this picture from 2018. <laughs> they say, yeah, damn, what happened? <laughs> so look, man, life happened. I'm eating good, living better. But final hour of power here on the Hoffman Show. Anthony, it's something that, I, me and you, obviously, similar in age, similar taste, similar style. So certain things catch our attention that maybe wouldn't catch other folks' attention. And one thing that I feel like locally here that we don't get a lot of opportunity to talk about is Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, I've been one of these Deion backers. I actually remember the first weekend of the college football season, Anthony. I was filling in. I think it was me and Doc were filling in for Kevin Sheehan. And Denton Day, college football genius, college football savant, was just giving me all types of crap because I picked Colorado to beat TCU. No one had the kahunas. No one had the stones to do it. <clears throat> the youngest in charge did. And after that week, the narrative on Dion completely changed. You notice all the eyes that he brought to college football this year. In four straight primetime games on ESPN and ABC, Colorado was the must-see attraction of college football this year. And I think Deion Sanders and him bringing in his luggage, which happened to be Louie, it it influenced all of that. But fast forward to the end of the season. Colorado last won a football game on October the 7th. The Buffaloes had one of the worst defenses in the nation, allowing 453 yards a game and 34 points a game. And their offense really nosedived, you know, toward the tail end of the season. They failed to reach 20 points in four of their final five games. Only one team in the nation committed more penalties than the Colorado Buffaloes. But despite all those numbers, Anthony, you may notice that about a week and a half ago, Deion Sanders won Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. And a lot of people are upset about it. A lot of people were up in arms about it. And there were a bunch of nasty comments under Sports Illustrated's tweet. And I understand that a lot of the Dion hate is racially charged. I'm not afraid to to lean into that conversation. It is what it is, man. I was raised to love everybody. We were all raised. We're supposed to be raised to love everybody. But we know certain people don't abide by that. But take the numbers out of it. Take Colorado's team success out of it. Anyone who looks at the Colorado program pre-Dion and post-Dion, and don't think that he has completely galvanized the university and the community, you're doing, you're doing drugs. You're doing drugs. But for whatever reason, people keep coming out of the woodworks from high and far to try and diminish Dion and what he did 
this year at the University of Colorado. The latest person to do it is a former Colorado Buffalo football player. Notice I said former. Because when Dion brought his luggage, and it was Louie, this dude we're about to hear from wasn't a part of it. I also want to, before we play the audio clip, he's on Jason Whitlock's platform. Y'all remember the fat slob Jason Whitlock from ESPN, argued with everybody, the most anti-black black guy I've ever met in my life. He had this former Colorado Buffalo on his platform, and the young man had this to say about his experience with Coach Prime. I, I do want to go a cut deeper or a little different angle with you, uh, Owen, just because <clears throat> it's not just the believer thing with Dion. Dion has this race narrative that, you know, he's doing this for the upliftment of black people. And I don't know if, what the audience can know, but uh, uh, Owen is one of our African-American brothers. He's half black, half white. And Pause it just, just for a second and we'll pick it up right at that you. spot. I'm sorry. I just threw you completely in a loop. What the hell is a African-American? I've ne- That cornball-ass lingo that he's using to try to bash the let's, – let's keep it rolling. I had to stop it on that because what? Owen is one of our African-American brothers. He's half black, half white. And I'm just wondering for you if the whole racial angle with Dion and, and what he was allegedly going to do for black coaches and black athletes, is that any part of your disappointment or any part of how you evaluated Dion? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, I'm African-American. Uh, half black, half white. And I'm super close with my dad now, but when I grew up as a kid, you know, it was just my mom and I. He wasn't really around. And, you know, I was kind of longing for that father figure, especially in a coach. You know, that's such a easy position for a young person to look up to and depend on. And, you know, he talked about how he wants kids from single mom households and he wants young black men and things like this. And I was really, really excited because I thought that I was going to have a chance to basically have a discipleship underneath one of the greatest athletes of all time. I thought he was going to come in and mentor me and kind of take me under his wing because he wanted to see people like me who grew up with their mom and are of African-American descent. He wanted to see them excel and then to be ignored and eventually dismissed hurt, but I mean, I can't speak to why he did it, so I just have to respect that he did. <laughs> and I don't want to laugh at it because nothing about it is funny or from either angle. But, like, I really more so wanted to play the audio to show you all when folks want to drive a narrative, when folks want to push a narrative about someone, they will stop at no lengths to ensure that narrative gets pushed. This young man, I, the fact that you didn't have the self-awareness. First of all, he'll probably never play Division One college football anywhere again. Because if I'm a coach and you enter the portal and, and this interview comes to the forefront and I see this is how you talked about your last coach, I'd feel some type of way. But I want to break down a couple of parts of what he said. First of all, yes, Dion multiple times is on the record talking about how he wanted athletes – from single-family homes. He wanted people that had dealt with adversity and struggle 
in their life because Dion is of the old school mentality of where if you haven't been through nothing, it's hard for you to really push through things. So that's what he meant by that. He didn't mean that every single mother player that he recruited and brought in, he didn't he didn't promise to be their father. That that's basically what this kid is saying. That he's mad that Dion didn't give him the one on one attention that he craved. Anthony, you went to the great Syracuse University. You are good friends with Zaire Franklin, uh-huh. who also yep. went to the great Syracuse University. So you know how Division One relationships work between the head coach and player. Mm-hmm. Just based off the look of this African American <laughs> on the screen, <laughs> do you think that he was making the travel squad on Colorado? Or do you think Colorado even has a travel squad? It's D1, so they may not have one. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily think he was. He probably just isn't that good, right? And if anyone that's played Division One football out there, please call in and, and, and talk about this, 301-230-0980. If you are not good, let's just call it what it is. If you're not good, if you're not a part of the three deep, is how I would describe it, first string, second string, third string, you're probably not going to have – some tremendous off-the-field relationship with their head coach. Mm-hmm. Unless you two can relate on something. Because guess what? Dion just inherited a program that was 1-11 last year and amongst the worst in all of college football. His job was to come in and transform this program. And he did that. Despite what you all may think about the job Dion did, he 100% transformed Colorado. And I got some numbers here that we'll give you in a second that backs all of that up. But for this kid... I don't even know who I'm more angry at, the, the player or Jason Whitlock. I can't be mad at Jason Whitlock because this is, this is how, he, how he flows, right? Like this is the type of below-the-belt stuff that he tries to do. I, I just don't know from the kid's perspective what he wanted from his head coach. If you're a high schooler out there listening, what do you want from your college head coach? I'll tell you what, you got to earn attention. In college sports, you got to earn conversation in college sport. Now, if you're being recruited and you're on a one on one recruiting visit, that's a whole nother story. I remember this was like 2016. I took a gap year after I graduated high school and, and I'm, I'm going out and looking for a place to continue my college football career. I had to sit out my freshman year because of an ACL tear, and I went and I visited Albright College in Reading, Pennsylvania. And when you're on a college visit, if you're, I was a defensive end, so my recruiting guide was the defensive coordinator and the defensive line coach. But the defensive line coach is the one I'm going to have most direct contact with. They're recruiting me. You're texting. You get on campus. You tour the school. You tour the locker room. And then at the end of your visit, you meet the head coach. So at the end of my visit, I meet the head coach. I walk in with my aunt and uncle. They're in the coach's office. The damn coach at Albright didn't even get his big ass off the chair to stand up and shake my uncle's hand, to stand up and shake my aunt's hand, to stand up and even shake my hand. So you know what? Immediately I knew that I wasn't going to Albright because he wasn't rocking with me like that, probably because I was some injured kid coming off of an ACL tear that wasn't going to contribute to the program right away. I say all that to say, in sports and in life. Now, in life, it's a little bit different because I would say that you should treat the janitor with the same amount of respect as you treat the CEO. And this isn't even a respect thing, though. To, to, think, that, to think that a fifth stringer is supposed to have a 
open-door relationship with the head coach just shows that you don't know a damn thing about athletics. That's what it shows me. I feel like, so you mentioned Zaire, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one of my best friends. He was actually just on his podcast talking about something similar to this Mm -hmm. situation because Dino, you know, he just got replaced. We got Fran, um, what's the last name? The DB coach from uh, Georgia. Okay. Uh, he's the new head coach at Syracuse, and a whole bunch of like former Syracuse athletes were like going on Nino, saying like, "Oh, it's time, it's been time," and things of that nature. And it's players that actually played during uh, their time at Syracuse that actually had a relationship with Dino that's out there defending them because they're confused as to why you know former players are going off on their coach, but a lot of those players mm-hmm. that were going off on Dino didn't play, didn't play, and that's part of it, and. It, it, it's crazy. <laughs> You're right. It's crazy the lengths people go to, like, push these kinds of narratives. And it's messed up. You know, Jason Woodlock, I, I mean, I don't expect anything, you know, We know, why, from, we know yeah. how Shorty yeah. get down. Bro. I already know. That, that's who he is. But I told you I had some numbers for you to really underscore the job that Dion did this past fall at Colorado. Yeah, they only won four games, but they drastically improved in pretty much every major statistical category. And I'm pulling up their team stats from 2022 to 2023. In 2022, Colorado was 131st out of 131 eligible FBS teams in terms of points allowed per game. They bumped all the... It's probably the wrong stat to use. They jumped a couple of spots. (laughs) This is the one that I really wanted to use. Strength of schedule, or excuse me, points four. That's the real big one. Last year, Colorado offensively was historically bad. 185 total points. They scored 15 points per game. They were 127th out of 131 teams in terms of points per game. This year, Dion has them all the way up to 61st in points per game. It's almost a 100-spot improvement. They're better in every statistical category. TV numbers, way up. The money and revenue coming into the program, much better. So it's estimated that Colorado, and this, these numbers are via the Washington Post, it's estimated that Colorado's first four home games added $77.8 million to the city of Colorado's economy. That's the only impact you need to know right there, what type of impact Dion's having on the University of Colorado. He's completely revitalized their economy with what he's done with the football program. Applications to the university have skyrocketed, particularly from African-American students. And then this is the great thing. The Buffaloes sold out every football game for the first time in program history. Yeah, they got blown out by Oregon, right? It was the most watched college football game of the season up until last weekend. So there's that. So for all the folks hating on Coach Prime, continue to hate. And guess what, Anthony? I think we were texting about this before the show started. Everyone's up in arms about Dion talking openly about how he needs to replace this offensive line. They went out and landed the number one tackle prospect in the class of 2024 uh, this past fall. So, Dion and company, the recruiting trail looking good for the 2024 season. I expect them in a Pac-12 that's going to take a step back next year. I expect them to be amongst the front runners, and I expect them to be bowl eligible next year because Dion is going to continue to flip this roster around. And how do you not want to play for that guy? That's the one thing I would say. Unless you stink and you're not very good, how would you not want to play for Deion Sanders? Plenty to go left in the show. Final half hour. We got a lot to get to, though, before we get out of here. 
When we come back, we'll switch gears back to the National Football League with four weeks left to go in the season, five weeks left to go in the season. There are a lot of big-time pressing issues that we still need to tackle. We'll play a little bit of NFL fact or fiction next to get to the bottom of the best hot-button topics in the National Football League. That's next here on the Team 980.